Welcome to The Pestle, reviewing and breaking down movies to look for insights into the movie making process. Hosted by my buddy. Wherever he goes, I go too. Now let's dim the lights and start the show. Welcome everybody to The Pestle. Today's show is brought to you by Larry Air. Fly coach this week, fly the plane next week. Every flight is an adventure when you fly Larry Air. <laughs> Welcome everybody to The Pestle. I am Wes. And I am Todd. And we are filmmakers, writers, actors, producer, and we uh, we make things and we like to review films and break them apart, see you know what we can learn about the process. I like to try and find something to improve you know my own work any anywhere I can. And uh, I would say this show has largely evolved from that um, compulsion that I have. And then every time, you know, for years we would finish a movie, like walk out of the theater, we'd just sit for 20, 30 minutes at least and, you know, diagnose it to one degree or another. And so I was just like, let's freaking do this and hang out and talk shop. And I just finished uh, a production. We shot two days this week, shooting a kind of a choose your own adventure VR film so that, you know, doctors put this thing on and they kind of have this house MD experience of, there's a mystery illness and you have to diagnose it and choose what test to run and uh, try to solve it before the time runs out and the patient dies. And for the record, that's when you lose. You don't win if the patient dies. And so it was it was a it was a thing, though. I was telling you before we got on, like I have this really bad habit of not sleeping. It's not like intended to be part of my process. But unfortunately, at this point, I still just don't sleep before productions. And so uh, it just, you know, sucks because you get four hours of sleep and then you go on to set and you need to be sharp and you need to be ready. And that's one of the funny things is, you know, even though I'm still short on sleep, I am not someone who thrives off of four hours. Like I am someone who thrives off of like seven to eight hours minimum. I don't set alarm clocks every day. I almost, you know, just a handful of times in the year do I set an alarm clock to make sure I get up. Um, and normally, when I do that, it's because there's a production, in which case I'm still waking up. My body's making me wake up before the alarm goes off. So like we shot a bunch of sunrise uh, stuff before you moved out to uh, San Francisco. And in order to do that, you have to be at the location ready to shoot before the sun starts rising, which means if the sun is rising at, you know, seven, you need to be there, you know, at least by six, six thirty. Uh, and we were getting there at like two it's a two hour drive and so you're basically waking up at 4 a.m and i was still waking up at like 3 30 but the nice thing about production is once you're on set there's this vibe there's this energy you're creating you're surrounded by creative people and i would say the the shoot was still a success the client was happy productions are always interesting especially more uh narrative driven ones but almost all of them kind of carry this feeling of you're on a team, you're working together, you're creating. And whenever it wraps, it's like, you, you know, you've been on this family reunion and now everyone's going back their separate ways. And uh, so there's a little bit of melancholy that sets in as, as you're wrapping out and loading gear and packing up and saying goodbye. Uh, and it's, it's this little bond that you get to have with people that you don't really get in normal projects. Like I've worked in plenty of offices and they're all, there is this little bit of a family vibe that can, can come out, but it, it's different. It's just different on set whenever you're, you know, pouring your, yourself into a project and everyone's doing the same and they're all, we're all working together to try to create something to the best of our abilities. And 
it's yeah it, i don't know do you get do you still get those vibes whenever you're on set working on something and you're just uh feeling you know you fight a little bit and you make up and things get better and even better and no and more and again like very rare and it's funny the uh i would say the foul sets i've been on it it starts at the top and i was having this conversation with one of our clients after we wrapped and you know a few of us went out to grab a drink and they were just uh, very happy with the vibes on set and even as we were wrapping out you know several people came up to me and i was like man this was such a great set and you know really positive vibes and i just really love working with everyone here um, because not every set is like that some sets things get foul and that usually starts at the top for a variety of reasons for one how your director and how your producers talk to each other and talk to the people beneath them really sets a tone and that can upset people but then even beyond that you might have really good people um, that are, you know, the head of the project. But what happens is bad scheduling puts pressure on everyone around them. And whenever you start getting short and not, you're not going to make your day, that can cause a lot of, you know, tension uh, and frustration. And now you're just, it becomes this chain reaction of, you know, oh, we're, we're running behind schedule and blah, blah, blah. Now we're going to cut lunch, you know, 15 minutes short so that we can, and it just, it's this big chain reaction, but more of what I was talking about was all the other stuff, like the good vibes. It's a very family atmosphere of, you know, we're, we're happy and, you know, everyone is there because they like doing this kind of work. And it's a very family positive thing. And there is a sense of melancholy as you're, as you're wrapping out. That's more of the stuff I was wanting to ask you about is like, do you get this sense of like, whenever you're, you're on set and you're creating with people like, man, I love everyone here and it's gonna, it sucks now that we're kind of going away. And it's, it's like you're, you're seeing family members kind of leave and, um, that, that there's this little cocoon that happens on production sets, uh, when you're working with people day in and day out and you're creating really fun things and you just have this sense of time is standing still. And there's a moment that's mm-hmm. flash frozen in everyone's minds. Um, and you kind of paint this picture of everyone that it's, it's going to be there for the rest of your life. And uh, it's, it's nice. It's a rare thing that I've just never experienced that in other, you know, types of offices or work environments. Um, it's just a rare thing that I feel like exists in stuff in like a studio making music or on set, you know, making a film. Yeah, oh, I see. Yeah. The only time I ever felt that on a, on a set was doing threads mm. with you. That felt special. Yeah. That felt like, and even now when you talk to guys that were on the crew, they still say the same thing. They still like when I talk to Andrew or I talk to any of his guys that joined us, they still say that was one of the best sets we'd ever been on. It was just, it felt like we were making something really cool. That was really special. That was that was fun. And we were there because we wanted to be a part of it. And everybody felt that way. And it went really smooth. And um, we, I think a lot of it had to do with everybody was trying to listen to everybody else Mm -hmm. too, because we didn't know how to make it happen necessarily. And I, I, it was a very collaborative situation where everybody felt free to make suggestions. They might be used, they might not be, but you know, it was okay. Mm-hmm. It was okay to say, Hey, I know we planned on this shot, but you know, this is really cool over here. Can we, can we just check this out real fast? You know? And, and we're like, yeah, sure. You know? And because it wasn't so nailed down, it, it just felt very, very okay to make decisions on the fly. And, and, and that makes everything relaxed. So kudos to you on your shoot, because not only 
the seem like stuff like that might or the feeling might have been there whether or not mm-hmm. that happened or not i don't know but the feeling might have been there but also having client on set you know changes everything because like you said it comes from the top down the vibes and if you have bad vibes from a client who's like very anal and has to have their voice heard and you know interrupts you between every take and all that stuff then it's going to change everything so um you have to please them but also manage them at the same time because you're still having to make something and 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 so that and it was that's crazy yeah i mean our client was really fantastic and that's always my big apprehension when a client is on set because you don't know you know who you're about to you know get in the bed with yeah and the creative process is incredibly intense and uh it it lends itself to a lot of people thinking they know more than they do, you know, thinking that they can just step in and make calls and know the impact of what those calls will do to the entire project. Uh, and right. it's, it's easy to deceive yourself into thinking, I know exactly, you know, what the scene needs and it, whatever needs more cowbell. And you just kind of jump into this process, um, you know, willy nilly. And, and yet I got a really good vibe from the client. Um, and there was a lot. It wasn't like one person was there. It was a team. And then, I mean, we had, I don't know, seven or eight people from the client on set. And then they were also streaming through Zoom to a bunch of other people in at the office, you know, that were there. Crazy. Giving, and so it was just this compounded thing that I was like, I don't know how this is going to go if I'm going to have to like, you know, pull someone aside and, and say, Hey, you're, you're doing too much. Um, or if it's going to go great. And I just knew whatever was going to happen, it was going to happen, um, for good or bad. The, the client was already there and there was only so much we could do at that point to, to kind of course correct. And, and yet the, the day before the shoot, we did a walkthrough of the set. We were shooting in this big hospital and the main client. So there's the agency that hired us, the agency that hired the agency that hired us, and then the client that hired the the agency. Oh my and God. So there's just this crazy long chain of events. And there was another agency that referred us uh, by one of those agencies. And so the, the chain of custody here is like absurd. Wow. And, but the client was there, the, the end game, the one who's actually working for the company uh, that needs this thing. And we had a, a small moment to ourselves as my producer was kind of walking everyone around. Uh, we lingered in this room and he just turns to me. He's like, Hey man, I just want you to know I'm here to help you and whatever you need. Um, you let me know how I'll make it happen, you know, and I'm not here to get in wow. your way. I'm like, that's a great thing to say. We'll see if he means it. Cause people all the time have the best of intentions and don't follow through. But when it came down to it, that guy was man of his word. He, compl- he was from the agency or he was a client. He was the client. But ultimately, the buck stopped with him. Oh, like, dude. He was the final voice and everything. Gotcha. Um, and so having him there and on my side, there was times when he'd come to me and say, uh, here's a small note. You know, they're pronouncing this word wrong because this was a lot of medical terminology. Easy to butcher. Um, and there was one time he was like, hey, one of our actors was struggling with the line with complex stuff. And he was like, hey, just I was thinking we could cut this line, this line of dialogue. And I could see the the chain of thoughts that you know that impacts i was like oh okay and then xyz and xyz he's like yes you get it and i was like is that what you want to do he's like this is a tool in your tool belt you know use it don't use it it's up to you do whatever you think is best uh because the problem oh my god right (laughs) amazing (laughs) who does that and this one guy this one guy does that. that's right (laughs) 
and he had a he had a bunch of compliments after the first day and it was funny man because our we're shooting in in vr in 360 and so you can't hide a boom in the shots you have to love everyone up and so all of our actors are walking around with hot mics um and i had told my my sound op hey cut between takes so that i can have conversations with my actors without the client overhearing and she was like cool and she was great. She was great. But for whatever reason, that just wasn't happening. And I didn't know until the end of the first day. And the client's like, hey, man, I've just been listening to you. And this has been like a master class in directing because I see how you're talking to this actor. Um, and it's completely different from the way you're talking to that actor and that actor. Um, this one, you know, you're giving all kinds of space. This one, you give short notes. Uh, this one, you're a little harder on at times. And I'm just in awe. Like, you're just really treating everyone as their own, you know, kind of person. And, and I don't think that'll surprise anyone on our show. If they've listened to, you know, multiple episodes, I treat everyone as their own person. I, uh, and you can't just say all actors respond to this. Like, no, some need X and others need Y and Z. Like it's, it's a process. And so I was glad that, you know, my approach is my approach because I never went to the actor and said, man, the clients, you know, being, you know, really difficult on the scene or whatever. It's like, no, like good vibes only. I'm going to my actor and I'm going to help them uh, get what they need in order to do their best. Um, and yeah, and I've, I've tried to always take that approach, even on threads. I've never bought into this idea that the captain or the director needs to have all the answers. I don't, I don't have all the answers and I'm never afraid to say when I don't know something um, because believe it or not, you whoever's listening to this, you're surrounded by incredibly smart people that know a lot more than you do on a lot of things. And it's okay. And if you give them the opportunity, they will usually step up and help you become better than the sum of your own parts. And so I'm never, even on the, that set, I was like, there were times I just didn't know the answer to a thing. And someone would come to me with a question. I'd be like, I don't know. What do you think? I, I, I honestly have no strong opinion. Um, what you're feeling. And then we would talk it out and the conversation becomes a decision and the decision ultimately is the best of all worlds. And so I'm big on that. I'm big on just trusting people. I think with the, with the creative process, because they're there for a reason. They're there. They're not there to be a robot. They're there, you know, to partake and participate. Uh, and I'm all about that. Yeah. So it was a good, Dude, that's amazing. Yeah. That is, that is amazing. That's so good to hear. I think that, that, I don't know. I know you're very hard on yourself uh, when it comes to your projects. And so I think you, this is really good for you to have a, a shoot that goes so well and to be put in under pressure and to thrive. I think that that you should like lock into that and remember that, you know, for your next, for your next shoot, maybe you'll yeah. sleep better. Yeah. That's right. Bring it around full circle there. <laughs> full circle. And it was great having Scott on. Cause I don't know how oh, many yeah. sets he's been on since threads. Um, and to me, this is all kind of, you know, second nature stuff. And, yeah, he's watching me, you know, and there's, you know, 10 or 15 extras that, you know, are being handled and a bunch of clients and all kinds of stuff happening around him. And so for him, maybe this was like, oh, crap, like Wes is like out here doing it. And but I like having people like that on set, like uh, having Scott, having you on set, having my producer, Ricky and my intern mm -hmm. and having all these faces that I know is doesn't feel like a set anymore. It's like I'm hanging out with friends making stuff. Whether it's a that's dope four hundred thousand dollar budget or you know everyone's working for free like it's 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 fun yeah yeah 
And you can and you can trust those people. Yes. You know you can trust them. That's right. It's like they're they're family. You know, huge. So it sounds like Ricky kicked butt too. I mean, you gotta had to. He had probably had to wrangle so much. Dude, I have so much respect for him because <laughs> he has to deal with me throughout this entire process. And I can be yeah. hard on Ricky. Like I'm in oh, general, man, poor guy, not a very difficult human being. Um, but ultimately, he's my voice. He's my advocate to the client. And so sometimes I do have to send how I'm feeling through him so that he can better understand where mm-hmm. I'm at in this process and what I'm upset about and how to make it better. Um, and so sometimes I think I give him a little bit more hard, harder of a time uh, than he deserves. And I can be temperamental with him. Whereas, uh, but, and, and he, he's a freaking champ. He goes to bat and he's working with the client and handling all these meetings. I don't want to be a part of, I hate meetings. Mm-hmm. That's why I left corporate America. I hate micromanagement and he does an incredible job at giving my, me my space to create and, and to do what I'm best at. Uh, and so, yeah, huge. Man. That guy is big. He's big. Lucky to have that guy. Super lucky. He's awesome. He's everything I've been needing uh, for, you know, growing in my business for sure. Yeah. Uh, Amazing, man. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, well, with that, we'll just segue into what we're doing uh, 30 minutes later. Uh, today, <laughs> today, we're going to cover Before Sunrise, Linklater film. So if you haven't watched that, please pause this episode because we are going to spoil a lot. For sure, we'll touch on a few things. We'll talk about some of the cinematography and directing, some of the benefits of long takes for actors and uh, and directing. Um, And we'll also touch on some of the story and writing, three-dimensional characters, keeping the conversation fresh, and other such stuff and things and stuff. And a quick synopsis of the film, a young man and woman meet on a train in Europe and wind up spending one evening together in Vienna. Directed by Richard Linkletter, written by Richard Linkletter and Kim Krizan. It's starring Ethan Hawke as Jesse and Julie Delpy as Celine. Okay, before I play this clip, I had two options and I couldn't pick. So you can mm. pick uh, one, two, A or B, top or bottom, odd or even. <laughs> uh, odd. Oh, good choice. Good choice. Here we go. Okay. I gotta say, I like this uh, Viennese variation of bum. I like what he said about adding something to your life, no? Mm, yeah. So, uh, were we having our first fight back there? No. Yeah. I think oh. so. I think we were. <laughs> well, even if we were a little bit, you know, why does everyone think conflict is so bad? There's a lot of good things coming out of conflict. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know, you know, I always think if I could just accept the fact that my life was supposed to be difficult, you know, that's what's mm. to be expected, then I might not get so pissed off about it, and I'd just yeah. be glad when something nice happens. Maybe that's why I'm still in school, you know. It's easier to have something to fight against. Yeah, well, we've all had such competitiveness ingrained in us. You know, I can be doing almost nothing thing. You know, I can be uh, throwing some darts or shooting some pool. And then all of a sudden, I feel it come over. I have got to win. Is that what you tried to get me up the train? Competitiveness? What do you mean? Okay. Good poem. All right. Will you read it to us? Sure, okay. Daydream delusion. Limousine eyelash. Oh, baby, with your pretty face. Drop a tear in my wine glass. Look at those big eyes. See what you mean to me. 
sweet cakes and milkshakes. I'm a delusion angel. I'm a fantasy parade. I want you to know what I think. Don't want you to guess anymore. You have no idea where I came from. You have no idea where we're going. Lodged in life, like branches in the river, flowing downstream, caught in the current. I carry you. You'll carry me. That's how it could be. Don't you know me? Don't you know me by now? So, I mean, I have no can idea. We start with, can I start with a question? Can oh, I start with a question? Sure, yeah. No, because that was probably my favorite moment in the whole movie yeah. for me. Yeah. And my question to you is, why do you, because you've seen this um, probably a hundred <laughs> times. It's like a seminal movie for you. Why do you think, we're not counting any of the other like, you know, ancillary offshoot conversations that ha that other people were having but why do you think that this guy was one of the only actual pieces of dialogue uh, besides maybe the the palm reader to them in the movie? Why do you, why do you think that that poem was put in the movie? That's a good question. I've never actually thought about that. I mean, whenever we enter, when he enters the scene, they're in the middle of a fight, like they're, they're having their first fight. And so I think injecting a moment of like tenderness and uh, poetry is a really great way to kind of, keep that fight from evolving and uh, pulling them back into the thing that matters. Like this is a good moment, Great point. you know, to, to kind of heal that. Um, and I love her comment. Like why, why does conflict have to be a bad thing? Um, and so even within having that broken up, they're getting perspective on is, is, is conflict even bad? Doesn't it do something like good? And it's funny, like we playing that clip, I have the movie playing in the background and that's literally at that scene. And so it was kind of disorienting watching the clip and having the movie be around the same moment. But yeah, did you have a, did you have a theory on that? I mean, not fully. One, one theory would, would be because I haven't seen the other two mm -hmm. films, but I kind of know what happens. Right. And so maybe it's an homage to an homage, but like a, like a precursor to like their future because the, the like a real, it's, it's a really beautiful poem and there's like, but it kind of is all over the place until the end. And in the end, it kind of culminates in this, you know, I'll carry you, you'll carry me. Don't you know me? Don't you know me by now? Which is, it's, it kind of, I don't know, it, it's a, it doesn't really speak to them in that moment to me. It speaks to them in 10 years, in 15 years, at, you know, after their relationship has, has like, gone through stuff has gone through the river has gone through the rapids right has has like you know been tested and you know as like a reminder of remember who we were remember who i am you know who i'll remember who you are you'll remember who i am it felt a little bit like the future wow. not them right now i love your point about it being you know just as a as a as a vehicle to like calm the the tension because there is there gets to be for me there was a lot of tension at, at moments there were like moments where i was like oh man he's being a dick you know <laughs> yeah. like and she just is is fine you know yeah. she's just like doesn't ever like get real really get upset i mean even when they're like quote unquote fighting not fighting yeah they're just 
not agreeing with each other. It, there's a very big difference. Huge. <laughs> you and I don't agree with each other, you know, on several things. Yeah. However, we don't fight about those things. Yeah. And so, I don't know. For That's what it felt like to me. It felt like, hey, this is the future you. You know, we're looking into the future, not like right then, if we're, if we're looking at the story, but, you know, as a vehicle to calm the waters a little bit at, for the viewer, which I, I did feel tension there um, in that moment. Yeah. It worked brilliantly. I thought it was beautiful because then I'm not thinking about what were they just arguing about or, or, or fighting about, quote unquote. I'm thinking about how beautiful that poem was and they are too. And then they pretty much forgot about what they were yeah fighting about right it's just yeah and that's an impressive scene in general because you have this really long walk and talk and then that argument breaks out about the palm reader and we hear the the poet suddenly chirps up and i love that because they stop walking and they separate a little bit enough to let let us see the poet and we rack focus to the poet and that takes a lot of timing that's a really that's like a six minute i don't know or maybe a three or four minute walk scene um, and to time it so that you stop right in front of the perfect camera angle takes a lot of blocking and rehearsing. And the way I would probably approach that is to do it in reverse. Start where you want them to land and then perform the scene backwards. Like you, now we're going to start, we're going to run the scene. We're going to walk to our starting oh, that's point. Brilliant. And then once you get to your starting point, you have a good idea like, okay, by the time we finish the scene, we should be in place. Um, and from there, it's just a matter of, you know, good actors are able to do multiple things all at once. Right. And you're like, okay, we're on pace. Oh, we're off pace. Let's pause for a second and start walking again. And, um, but they nail it. They nail the blocking on that. It's just really, and the camera op has to be on his game. Um, and you know, carving out a space so that whenever it all starts happening, he's already lined himself up. You can't just suddenly have this big camera move at the end. Um, and, or it won't feel natural because this whole thing, right. is a bit of fly on the wall, uh, for for the viewer yeah it's just a genius uh whole scene to me <laughs> yeah no it's it's amazing and they do a lot of like long shots in general mm-hmm. you can you talk about that a little bit because i when you said that that was part of your notes i was really interested to hear about that yeah i mean the longer takes allows a lot of opportunity to give an actor like one-off directions when you get to this moment in the scene you, you know you you pull ethan hawk aside and you say Hey, whenever you talk about the monkeys, do this little ah, ah, on this next take, right? And uh-huh. so now he's in the middle of the scene and he delivers his line. Yeah, it's about the monkeys. You know, I'm, you know, it's all monkeys and or whatever. Uh, and then he does this little gesture. Ooh, ah, and then she has to now resp- respond. And she can do that in the moment. Um, and she does acknowledge it, right? She's like, oh, that's good. And she kind of mock imitates him for, you know, a, a quick beat. And now you can do another take where you don't do that and maybe you don't do anything. You just run the scene the way that you run the scene, or maybe even as an actor, you feel this freedom to experiment with stuff. And it's, you don't need to worry about continuity whenever you're doing these really long takes. And then if you're breaking it up with five camera angles, right, we're going to get the master. We're going to get the over the shoulder, dirty single. We're going to get a clean single. We're going to get a close up. We're going to get an insert. And it just becomes this, chess game of can we make sure it all looks the same when we cut it all together and now you have a script supervisor who's over on the side making notes and saying yep they picked up the glass with their left hand when we got to this line 
like script supervisors are literally doing that so that whenever you get, you know, five takes in on your fourth angle and you're like, wait, what hand was I using when I picked up the beer? Now they can just be like, they, they'll look at their notes, you're left and you do it, you know, on your second sentence. Okay, good. That becomes so much more complicated and necessary for sure. Um, but if you don't have to do that, if you do these longer takes, it doesn't matter. If you look at the uh, the trolley scene, we're in one angle. It's a six minute scene and it's uncut, no alternate angles. And that means you are also free as an actor to trample each other's lines, right? You can jump in a little early or make an extra comment because now you don't have to worry about getting clean dialogue. It's not about getting a clean line and you can be messy and human. Like that's the way people talk. We trample on each other's lines all the time, but you don't do it because, oh, I'm trying to make a good scene. You do it because you're a human in the middle of a conversation. You, you're you trying to send a signal that I, I, I want to talk now. I have something to say. And now this person has this verbal cue. And so that's all human stuff. And this movie is all about kind of capturing these, these human moments. Same thing with the pinball. And this is a really long scene that I think he, he picked one take, but he used a two camera setup. This is my assumption. Again, I don't know what the hell he's doing in this. But I love, for one, as an actor, you get to perform while playing a game, right? You give the actors something to do, drink or play cards, or in this case, drink and play pinball. And this two-camera setup allows a fully inhabited scene so that they can react in real time to winning and losing in pinball, right? One person loses and they switch places and the other's now drinking a beer while watching them play. And you can set your beer wherever you want, you know, based on how you felt positioned in that moment and you allow reaction shots too because now you have two angles to cut cut intercut and they're both these mediums uh and so as they're saying something you can react roll your eyes whatever uh, and it flows so well and so i just think doing all this is a really great opportunity to constantly explore and allow a scene to be fresh because the worst feeling when you're acting is to, to have to make a decision while you're shooting the master or shooting one of the first takes. Uh, and now you find and discover a new wrinkle, you know, on the third camera setup on your fifth take. And you're like, oh, I'd really like to try this. You no longer have to worry about it. You're just able to constantly experiment and throw stuff at the wall and, and just be alive, be human. You know, that's the beauty. I love that. You know? I felt that in this movie all over the place, but they were just talking. And some, yeah, and sometimes they'd interrupt each other and it's, it's like you, you also, as a director, you really got to trust your actors too, to like have that, you know, you go all the way to Vienna and then you, you know, they just don't have chemistry. No, like they have to have really good chemistry and not necessarily even that you even, even between each other, they do, but, but in their dialogue, like specifically in their dialogue chemistry, like knowing, yeah, I can interrupt you, but I'm going to interrupt you in a natural way. As opposed to just, you know, because too much interrupting is also very jarring to you as a viewer, right? And then all of a sudden, I don't really like this guy a lot because he interrupts her all the time. Or, you know, she is, you know, is too laid back because she doesn't interrupt him. Whatever. Like, it's it's a give and take that you have to trust the actors to, to do. I think they do it so it, it well. It totally is. And the hard and the amazing part as an actor doing these kinds of scenes is you can butcher your lines and it's okay. If you're a really good actor, you know how to play with that. You know how to still get the intention of what you're trying to say 
across without having to say every single word in the script. Yeah. And this is the fun part for me, you know, whenever I direct these VR projects, like I can't intercut to a close up. I can't intercut performances. Everyone's doing one thing and one scene has to play. It's like doing a theater or stage play. Like when, when the curtains go up, there are no do overs, right? You have to be on and in the moment and engaged and willing to make mistakes and live with them. If you're in the middle of a scene and you and you burp, that burp suddenly has to be a part of your performance. That's part of your character. And that was a choice. That was a thing that is now a part of your reality. And I can imagine that they are just going off script time and time again, getting things wrong or uh, missing a line and uh, or jumping in too early. And they have to stay in it. They have to constantly. And that comes to casting and trusting your actors and also your actors trusting themselves and trusting each other to believe that, okay, they, they jumped in early, but they're going to throw it back to me at any point. Um, and that way you're doing it together. You're not fighting for your lines and fighting for your moment. Instead, it's a, a torch that you constantly pass back and forth between each other. Um, and that takes a lot of you know professionalism and, and understanding and empathy that you're connecting with your scene partner in a way that you can feel what they're trying to do next and you, they can be in your space. You can be in theirs. That's human. That's uncomfortable. If you're not used to acting and having people touch you or being comfortable enough to touch someone else, you know, that's, that's a whole thing. Uh, and you have to be not only okay with it, but welcoming um, and understanding the dynamic of your relationship. Uh, I feel really bad for like commercial actors because at least with before sunrise, Ethan and Julie got to spend probably, you know, a few weeks together working through this stuff on a commercial set, though. Like you suddenly have to be a family after knowing someone for like 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you have to yeah, hug and kiss. Not and the easiest. No. Uh, but there's exercises for that. Some of my favorite exercises are one of my coaches would have us just hug each other like, hey, this is our first day in class together. And I want you to sit, stand across from someone you don't know. Okay. We're going to do an exercise, walk up to them and hug them, but don't just hug them. This is your friend, your best friend, and you haven't seen them for three years. How would you greet that friend? And y'all ready? Action. Oh my God. And it's, I remember doing that and me and this dude, That's amazing. I've never seen before or since, you know, we just suddenly, it was like, Oh my God. Hey, and it just became this huge <laughs> bear hug. Uh, and it's so satisfying, you know, as a, another human being to feel welcomed by a stranger that way. Um, and so I can imagine exercises that they were going through to be able to accurately imitate the relationship as it evolved throughout the, throughout the movie. Um, and it takes, good directing, good acting, and a lot of trust with everyone. And good writing too. I mean, it's hard to, it would be hard to deliver all these lines if they were, if they were, you know, not real, yeah. you know, didn't feel real or like, do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. You know, it has to be, it's hard to deliver crap lines in a really good way. Um, it is, you know, I imagine, yeah. and I don't know this, but I imagine Linklater and I feel like, if I were to actually see the way he works, I would identify a lot with it. Whenever I write a script, I try to tell my actors, throw it all away. You know what I'm trying to say here? If you want to use completely different words, I don't care. This isn't about me. This isn't about my ego. It's about finding what's natural and works for you and, and do that. If you want to choose a different word or a completely different sentence, 
I literally don't care. What I care is that it feels natural coming out of your mouth and that it feels lived in this whole reality. So I can imagine they're having those conversations here because it does everything they're saying to each other feels completely real and organic to their personalities and uh, the way they see the world. Like it all feels. And I think part of that too is he didn't write it by himself. I know Linklater does a lot of his own writing, but he worked with Kim Krizan and I think these are the only movies she's written. Like, uh, and I don't know why he picked her or if this was her idea and she approached him. I don't know how all that worked out, but it seems important, not just because, you know, you have two people that can, two writers that can now talk and stage the conversation and, and create these, these flows and these ebbs, you know, that create a vibe, but it, it also is a man and a woman, and having her perspective, I'm sure at times was critical. There's that scene on the trolley when he asked her, like, what drives you crazy? Like, what what really, you know, noise the hell out of you? And she's like, when and this is like in the mid early 90s. Uh, and she's like, when a random man on the street tells me to smile, oh, you know, uh, yeah. or whenever I'm in America and Americans are the worst at this, you know, whenever I get upset, you know, and I'm really like frustrated about something, they're like, oh, you're so French, you're so cute. <laughs> you know, these are like very specific things that are probably uh, endemic to the woman's experience, at, at, especially at that point, and probably still to, for a lot of women, you know, a, a, mm-hmm. an endemic experience to, to, to being a woman. Um, and so having that perspective probably added a lot of texture to her uh, in particular um, and the way she sees the world and the way she approaches uh, handling, you know, Jesse. Totally agree, man. Uh, I, yeah, it was it was really Please. it felt really natural and very, very real. Uh, yeah, I know you're asking me what I thought about it. <laughs> I thought I yeah. And it's so, OK if you didn't I mean, like they, it, if it was just me, it was fine. I don't care. I you know. know me. I you know, it's it's your it's your thing. Yeah, no, I I get it. I mean, I I will say this. I will say this. If this would have been made now, I wouldn't like it mm. because it's you know early '90s, early to mid '90s. I know it's you know age. It doesn't feel very old. You know, they don't show enough or do enough for it to feel old. Yeah. You know, they're just two people talking, and that could be have been. 70 years old or it could be made yesterday so i will say that it has aged really well Mm -hmm. i think but i don't know i don't i felt very annoyed by his character at Uh times i felt like he was he was just like hamming it so hard um um but and then she received it really well so like she was obviously into him because you know there were things i feel like that he said or or did where I don't know, most of the women I know would be like, what, what the heck is wrong with you? But um, I thought that a lot of it was really organic conversation and it just kind of flowed really well, per, like really beautiful writing. Mm. Um, the acting was fantastic. I wouldn't necessarily like want to watch it again, but it was good. It was very good for what it was, I think. I just didn't fully identify with either with either character. So that's why it's not like amazing for me personally, but I don't think that that's of any fault of anybody. You know what I mean? I think this is a movie that is specific to someone interested in seeing that or interested in seeing the play of two, two actors. Like if, what, if I watch it from a critical standpoint, 
I love it. I absolutely love it. You know, but you know how I like to watch movies. I, yeah. I don't like to watch them from a critical standpoint. I don't like to watch them from a, how did they make this right. standpoint? But the whole time I was, and I couldn't not, mm. I was like, oh, I, I rem-, and that's a, that's a real testament to, to the directing, to the acting, to the writing. I mean, honestly, to the camera work, to all of it. I saw it, which normally is not a good thing. But I think in a case of this film, I, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed watching, oh my gosh, this take has been going on forever. And they're just going and going. Did they memorize these lines? Or were they just really, was it banter? Was it mm. just leave the leave the camera running and see where this goes? And this was only supposed to be a minute and a half long. And now it's six minutes long. Like that kind of stuff is really cool. And that's what made this movie interesting to me. If there would have not been those long takes or if if they would have stayed in one place instead of like moved around it would have fallen flat for me but i felt like they made the most of the city they made it without it feeling without me feeling the city mm. they made me feel the city like you you didn't have any of these drone shots that you have now you didn't have any of these like grand you know wide angle shots you know i mean you had some wides but they were of like they were of say a club or a bar as they walked past it out front, you know, yeah. that's it. And they're walking to you. So all of a sudden the wide becomes a medium becomes a close up. Yeah. Um, so they were all purpose driven. So I felt the city because they did a lot of stuff, but I didn't, I didn't feel like it was like, I always felt them. Right. So I loved the, the cinematography and the acting and everything this. And I loved the concept. I mean, I've met people in my life that I've felt a real connection to uh, for just a day, yeah, you know, yeah. or a couple of days and that I've never seen since. Uh, and I don't mean that way um, in the biblical sense. I mean, just like in, in yeah. life. And yeah, I mean, when I look back on it, it's not heartbreaking, but at the time it was heartbreaking to leave them. And so at the end, but I am very glad that at the end they they did go away. He didn't stay there or she didn't come with him. It was just... This is a story about one, one night before sunrise. And that was it. They didn't try to tell anything deeper. And there could have not been a second or a third. And that would have just been it. Yeah. Uh, I love that. I think it's beautiful. And I think it was really well done. I think the, um, uh, the sex scene on the grass was really well done too, where he asked her, but he didn't pressure her. And he let her make the decision. And he was okay with the decision being no. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that, I think, I think that's very, I mean, in films, especially back then, it's not always the case, you know, there's a lot of pressure and everything. And so, and then they, they cut away, I think at a good time, you know, for it to just be their moment, you know? Um, and we just, we just kind of like live with them afterwards. I thought I, I did feel like the next morning, you know, the first time we see them the next morning, they're walking around that corner and then they hear the guy playing as they're walking towards it and you hear the music as they're walking around the corner, I felt like, okay, this is, this is the walk of shame and they're both doing it together and it's a little quiet and awkward, but then the music breaks the awkwardness. And, but I, it was amazing that I felt that awkwardness before they even said a word. I felt it as a viewer, you know, and, and, but then he notices the music and then they walk over and it's broken. You know, the awkwardness is broken. Yeah. I thought it was, very, very beautiful. I don't know. I'm, I could go yeah. on for a long time. I thought it was very beautiful. Um, I'm excited to see the next one, nice. to be honest. 
Yeah, yeah, for me, I mean, I saw this through most of my childhood. I did not have like access to cable. Like there was no, you know, TV that I really got to watch. Most of what I watched was mm-hmm. movies. But there were a couple brief periods where I did have like cable or satellite. And we had HBO. And this uh, random day, I turned on HBO and this movie was starting. And I just sat and watched it. I was probably 14. And it blew my mind. Like I, I kept waiting to some degree of what's going to happen. And then somewhere around the halfway mark, I was like, Oh, that's what this movie is. It's just two people talking and getting to know each other. It's very anti-traditional filmmaking, right? Where there's no conflict. It's it's there's, there's even in most of the scenes, there's no conflict. Like one of the most basic tenets to a lot of writers is every scene must have conflict <laughs> and in this scene. Yeah. Almost no scene has conflict. In fact, you, you might even say that the only scene with conflict is the opening scene and they leave it right. It opens on two people arguing in German or something, and it ultimately chases both of them out of the box car. And so they leave conflict behind. And I don't know if that was an intentional message that Linklater was trying to send, but if not, it's still like a really brilliant, you know, accidental touch to say that this movie is leaving behind conflict and instead we're embracing something else. Uh, two people, you know, come together and for good, good things, good vibes. And yeah. And so watching this movie as a kid, I, was, I had no idea a movie could be that. I didn't see Slacker and that I feel like this is a graduating of his, uh, his first picture uh, called slacker that just kind of won everyone over. And then I think from there he made dazed and confused. He either made that next or this next, I forget, but he's a busy, he was a busy filmmaker. And so watching this, I was just like, what? Because as a kid, I always loved dramas. I loved, I mean, I loved everything. I watched a lot of movies, but uh, like stand by me, it was a lot of conversation in there, but there was still a lot of plot involved in stand by me. And this, that's, there's none. It's just, you know, romance and conversation and philosophy, thoughts about life um, and death and everything in between. It was just, I think that, I think that Linklater does that really well. He does that in a lot of his films really, really well. Yeah. Very natural. Very natural. And it just, it's, it's as a writer, I'm like, man, that's not fair. Like, how does he do that? (laughs) Yeah. But I love it. Yeah. So even though I, I, probably didn't see it again for years that one time watching it uh, you know as as a young man uh just left its print you know on me and one of the probably two or three most foundational movies in my in my you know childhood yeah so dude i could see that i could see that as a as a a young uh, an adolescent right a young teenager seeing that especially in that era because it was all action films and you know tear-jerking dramas like there wasn't a ton of in between um and then to have this movie that's none of that it's like you know what we're just gonna hang out and walk around yeah talk you know i was uh the other when i watched it the other night i was uh next to jenny and i and she was dozing and i said you want to watch this with me she said sure i'll watch it a little bit um, I said, have you seen it? She said, yeah, it's like a, it's like a seminal chick flick. And I was huh. like, oh, really? Oh. <laughs> and then I watched it and I, and I thought, it's not a chick flick at it's all. It's not a chick flick. Like, no, a chick flick, I, I think is stuff like, you know, Sleepless in Seattle and, you know, yeah. 
I don't know, stuff that typically wouldn't happen. Right. You know. Agreed. But why wouldn't this happen? People meet other people all the time. You know, maybe they just don't have good enough conversation for them to get off the train for them. Uh, But yeah, that's that stuff happens all the time. So I don't know. I didn't see it quite as that, Mm -hmm. but I went into it with a little bit of of like hesitancy because she said that. But so I was pleasantly surprised that it wasn't. And so when I let me clarify also, when I say that I'm not excited, I wouldn't be excited to watch it again. Doesn't mean that I wouldn't. And I probably probably will. But with different eyes, with just a a, you know, not the filmmaking eyes, just the 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 story eyes. And, and I'll try to, I would like to actually watch it with that, that 14 year old boy eyes, mm-hmm. you know, you know, cause I think you and I probably were very similar yeah. in, in a way growing up, like we were very love struck and just, you know, yeah. I, I don't know how to put it, but, but, um, the hopeless romantic. Um, ho- thank you. Yeah. I was looking for it. <laughs> yeah. Hopeless romantic type. I definitely was. I mean, I, I, I still am to a degree. Yeah. Um, but, but definitely back then, uh, and seeing something like that would have, really been amazing i think for me as a 14 15 year old for sure but obviously you know what i mean when i said last week like this is a movie of one thing and either you're really on board with that thing or you're not and it's hard to find a tweener and you did i I feel like you did found kind of an in-between phase because the filmmaking is pretty brilliant um even if you're not fully engaged with uh, both characters and i i know what you mean like jesse can be a bit of a uh an ass um and that's part of his charm for Celine, even if not part of the charm for the viewer. <laughs> no, it, you know, the other thing too, is that the, it was good. It, it, I wouldn't have wanted him to be any different mm. because I think that a lot of people, I think it's very natural for someone who is like he is to just say things because you don't want there to be silence. Yeah. Right. And, and I think that except in some moments I think he's probably very much that way. I think, you know, there were some silent moments, but for the most part, he just kept talking, kept asking her questions. And, and you know, I, that nervousness of, I don't want her to feel like, like she has to give too much. I want to give, I want to give, I want to give, I want to bring her to me. I want to, you know, by asking her questions, by giving her a piece of, of information from me, by by um pushing this this whatever this is this date or this this the conversation farther 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 i think that's very much his character and i think that ethan hawk is brilliant in so many ways yeah. and and he's a brilliant actor just period but in this case uh, uh i think it, it he completely shines he's just wonderful it's crazy in that character i mean i've been watching him my entire life like i grew up like explorers was a big movie as a kid and he was like the lead in this child's sci-fi movie um and there's just not a lot of child sci-fi films that have a texture of grounded and and drama to it um and so sometimes i forget that i've been watching this dude like in a lot of my favorite movies you know since i was a child (laughs) like it's kind of wild but i agree he is a brilliant actor forever yeah yeah i mean I don't know a bad movie. I'm sure that everybody's had a bad movie, but, but I I can't, I can't tell you a bad one he's been in, or at least that he's been bad in. Right. I'll say that. That's a good way to put it too. Um, I, I mean, I'm already halfway through all my notes actually. So I'll just touch on, um, the rest of the cinematography and directing stuff. 
there's a fun first shot, last shot that they do because the first shot is a, a POV of the train on the train track. We're just kind of uh, rolling over the, the tracks. And the last shot is Celine on the train. She's kind of falling asleep and remembering her day and smiling to herself. And it just feels like a continuation of the first track uh, of the first shot that she's back on track. She's there was a, a everything in between those two shots was an interruption that was unscheduled. Um, and so I think there's a very simple, you know, first frame, last frame that that he did. Um, and then towards the end there, they separate, right? She goes to her seat and he goes down the escalator and gets on his bus. And that is kind of painful. Seeing them apart is suddenly melancholy. Um, and it's reflected in the stillness of viewing everywhere they'd been. Um, but it, it is, after seeing them together so long, a little painful to see them apart again. That's that's kind of an interesting little feeling that he's imparting on everyone. Some scenes, I mean, camera work wise or cin- cinematography wise, a little all over the place uh, in a good way. Some scenes are one angle. Some, you know, like the the trolley shot, like we mentioned earlier, is a medium two shot, and then and a two shot just means there's two people in the shot. And sometimes they walk through a scene, like you were talking about outside that. I think the dancing, you know, they walk through that whole scene and then we we catch a portion as the conversation comes to us and then they walk away um, and we're just kind of catching a snippet of their conversation as it happens. Some shots are like tracking shots from in front intercutting with a tracking shot from behind them. And those are really fun sequences because it allows a coverage of well, now we have two different takes to, to intercut between and it also makes sure that the scene becomes a fully realized 360 degree scene and it's immersive in that way. We feel like they are really just out in the street doing their own thing. And some of the lighting is interesting in there because I'm like, maybe they're using uh, some lanterns. Like maybe they're, they have a China lantern that they're Hollywooding and Hollywooding is a term that you're just holding it. And so if you're on a set and someone says, Hey, can you Hollywood that bounce? It means grab the bounce uh, and just use your hands to hold it. And sometimes whenever you're you're tracking a shot, right, if we're backpedaling as we're tracking them from the front, there's not a lot of light on their faces whenever you're dipping in and out of shadows. And so sometimes you'll have, I don't know who, which department would be, uh, maybe the grip department is holding a lantern on a boomstick. And that way you get a, at least a minimum amount of illumination on their faces so that you can really make good eye contact with them. And you're just holding that while walking through. But then there's also a lot of color shifting that happens in this scene uh, that I'm thinking about. Uh, and so I'm like, I don't think they had color shifting lanterns back then. And so maybe instead they installed all these huge lights out of frame on top of the building somewhere. I don't know. Watching these scenes, I was like, they, this is some masterclass stuff. Because I doubt they just were able to use the available light. I don't see how that would be possible. Um, shooting on film stock uh, that they probably had access to back then. And it's very clean. Like it doesn't look underlit at all. And so I would love to be a, a, a fly on the wall or maybe just dig up some BTS pictures and, and see what they were doing. And then sometimes there's these two camera setups, right? That allow the actors to, you know, interact and inhabit the scene almost the exact same as you would a winner. And that's where earlier I was talking about like the pinball scene um, etc. It's like you can, even though it's a two camera setup, you can treat it like a winner in the sense that we're only going to choose one take and we're just going to use that take. And so now we just have a choice between 
cutting from this angle to this angle. And that's freaking cool to me. Um, and link letter in general, I love him because I like shooting. I like to be set up quickly and then just get to this shooting. And now let's create. And I can imagine either one of two things or one of multiple things for one link litter doesn't seem to major in the minors. Like he doesn't seem too concerned about the perfect lighting and the perfect cinematography is so much as let's create a reality and make us feel like we're in that reality and spend more time on the performances and making it all feel genuine instead of some hyper slick, you know, uh, cinematography thing that would make you think more about the production side. Instead, let's think more about the human side and I'm not going to spend three hours getting the light just right. Instead, we're going to set it up once and be nimble to bring in a reflector or whatever, as we cut into coverage uh, and that way we can stay in the moment, stay tuned in to what you're feeling in between these setups. I imagine that's kind of what he leans towards. Um, at least that's the way it feels when I'm watching this stuff. And that's definitely my style of filmmaking. Let's get in there. Mm -hmm. Let's create. Let's stay connected emotionally with what we're feeling in this scene. As far as story and writing, three-dimensional characters. Like these are all 3D people. Or all these two people are three-dimensional. Jesse... He's a little cynical, right? But also a little idealist, very romantic. And he's a very much a contrarian that can't really hold his tongue. If he, if he doesn't like something, he just has to say it or it's going to eat him alive. He just has to say it. And he's going to do his best to make it like endearing. And, and But at the same time, you know exactly how he feels about it, even if he's trying to poorly coat it with some, some syrup, you know? Um, yeah. Like the palm reader, right? Palm reader walks away and is mm -hmm. like, what an opportunist, right? He just kind of uh, rags on her. Um, same thing. And then oh, there's this moment in the church where he talks, tells a story about Quaker weddings, right? And it's this beautiful moment. And then he immediately chases that with a story about his friend teasing a homeless man with a hundred dollar bill. Like, yeah, it's hilarious. And like, damn, bro, you just couldn't let that beautiful moment sit. <laughs> yeah. What? I remember thinking, like, why? <laughs> why? why did you say that? Because, but it I, popped I think in his it's, head, right? I think, a, yeah, yeah, and and you know, if you're just thinking from a story, I mean, again, I keep coming at this with like, like the 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 filmmaking or the story aspect of it, and it's like, you know, the whole point of this is to have two people be so open about exactly what they think yeah. and what they feel, so that nothing is left everything is left on the table. Nothing is left not being said, right? That's the whole point If like, you know, I, as a viewer, I want to see that happen to know that that exists and that that's, that's okay. Because probably I'm not that way. Yeah. You know, when I meet somebody, I'm not going to be like this, yeah. you know, I'm going to keep skeletons in my closet, <laughs> you know, and I'll let you see them later. Instead, this is, I'm going to give you everything exactly who I am and tell you some stupid thing right after telling you some beautiful thing, because why not? Because you know? why not? Because that's how I, that's that's who I am as a character, as a person, right? I yes, and that's him to a T. Yeah, uh, and it's it's nice to take advantage of those things to to flesh it all out. Because if he, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's just not as interesting if he holds that stuff back, um, mm -hmm. and it's a better viewing experience for sure. Um, and to see people's flaws, it's nice because if you if you don't do those things, he can start to look a little too perfect. And it's like, oh, you just wrote the perfect guy. 
well, let's give him some bumps and bruises and, and realize him as a human being. And then even with the poet, right? He, the, they walk away from the poet and he assumes the poet probably used a template for his quote unquote inspired poem. He's like, you know, he just probably yeah. plugs that word in. It's like, damn man. <laughs> like, uh, and, and it's, it's interesting. And he tells, uh, like this breakup story. Right. And this is him and how he views the world and also how he's viewing himself right now. Cause this is a moment at the, the pinball machine. And he's like, he's realizing how little his ex is thinking about him right now. And it's because of how he realizes he thought so little of the people he'd broken up with. It's, it's relief. It's not agony. It's like, thank God that person's out of my life. And he's like, man, that's what really sucks is realizing she's just grateful that I'm gone and that she isn't experiencing Mm -hmm. pain. Um, and that sucks. And it's, it's bittersweet. I mean, it's, it's very honest. And I like that. Because it's not just him being uh, cynical about the rest of the world. He's also cynical about himself. Like he's he's not thinking of himself as some special case in some special scenario. He's applying that same lens to himself as well. Uh, and I think that's cool to, for him to have this kind of bittersweet reality check um, about what people are thinking about him as well. Um, that's pretty cool. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. And then Celine, right? She's a little bit of a realist. A little bit of an optimist, also clearly very romantic. And I think more or less, that's most people. Most people are are pretty romantic. And and I love the way she contrasts, though, because her optimism really goes against his I, cynicism very, you know, beautifully. Right. The palm reader to her was just fun encouragement. You know, it, it, she wasn't going to live her life based on that stuff. Uh, but to her, it's something that, you know, gives you another view on life and, you know, creates a fun memory and uh, an encouraging way and direction to, to kind of tread. Um, and if, to her, it's not opportunism. It's like we're all doing something together. Uh, same thing with mm-hmm. the poet, right? She just enjoys the poem. She takes it at face value. And that's a great way to live life, to not assume alternate intentions on the people around you and what's really cool about that with her character is that it reveals why she was willing to trust him in the first place and get off the train that's the same kind of person that believes uh that the poem Mm -hmm. the the poem was written for them that you know is willing to trust and listen to a palm reader uh that's the same person that you know says yeah you know what i'll trust you enough to get off this train and walk around with you stranger like that's that's a fully realized character that's inhabiting every one of her decisions and everything that she's saying is is all a part of that same kind of uh a reality that she's living in that's that's perfect yeah yeah Yeah, she's she's much more developed and like together than he is he's searching the entire movie he's just constantly insecure which i think is why it speaks to (laughs) you know you and me you know, he's like being around her. He, that's why he got, he just talks all the time and he asks her questions all the time and she's just taking it, you know? I mean, she'll, she gives back like when it, when he's asked her questions and stuff, she'll then ask him questions and, and give back and give real answers. In fact, she gives the first real answers and, she, and, you know, when he asks her about her first, you know, sexual uh, desire um, and she gives a real answer and then he just won't. He dodges. Yeah. He dodges and she's like, wait a minute, whoa, 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 whoa. I just told you something very personal. Come on. 
So yeah, very good point. She's much more developed than he is. And and I think he gets better mm-hmm. as the movie goes on yeah. for sure. And she helps develop him. Yeah. And that's maybe, maybe what they give each other. She helps him realize a little bit more about himself and he helps confirm a little bit more about her. Um, and that might be part of that give and take, right? Where, you know, from the poem, we circle back where it says, I'll carry you, you carry me. That very much felt like that, yeah. you know, throughout the, throughout the film. Nicely said. Last couple notes. Uh, I like mm-hmm. all the music breaks. Like there's just periodic brief little ways to break up all the conversation and like the record store, we kind of hang out with them in the booth as they're nervously glancing at each other when they're not looking. There's the moment when they walk into the club and there's a guitarist on stage playing, playing a track. Um, there's some montages here and there. There's a very brief moment on the riverboat where this uh, band kind of breaks out and is playing like a love song to some couple uh, that look like they're celebrating like a, an anniversary or something. And then there's the harpsichord player at the end that you talked about. And those are just really nice ways to break up the scenes. And it's kind of a reset of our attention. Without those moments, this movie becomes really one big monologue. Um, And it can be hard to digest. But if you break it up, like you said, with the music, but also with the scenes, like we're not just going to stay in one place one time. Uh, That's kind of my problem with Dinner with Andre. Like there's a really great conversation that they're having. And I've seen it twice. I've fallen asleep twice. And it's it's just brutal because they're in one place in the entire movie. Um, and here they, they find a great way of like, we're going to keep it fresh by giving you something visually different to look at. And we're going to keep the cinematography fresh. They're, they just found really smart, simple ways to keep the viewer engaged. Uh, they also don't wear out their welcome. This is, you know, a 90 minute film and they they make good use of it for for being what it is which is just conversation it's also interesting that there's no loops this isn't about a plot right with setups and payoffs it's about the journey not the destination because literally this movie is destinationless right um she never got to where she was going he never got to where he was going this is just an interruption in their journey and it's perfect those are the best moments in life uh for instance they make a comment about we didn't go to the the play the the cow play right oh right yeah and that's just a it's a not going to that play is a microcosm of the entire movie right they made a plan that they did not fulfill um she was on a trip she did not complete um etc and yeah i i love it for that I'll, you know yeah dude it's so funny that you said that cuz i that made me feel good i don't i can't even tell you I couldn't tell you why during, but for them to, I remember thinking, watching it, okay, when are they going to get to the, to the, the cow, you know, play and, you know, the night went on, it got dark and I was like, guys, it's probably getting late. You got to go to the cow play. (laughs) And, you know, then it, this, then, you know, they're laying on the grass and I'm like, guys, what are you doing? (laughs) Cow play. And the whole time. And then even the next morning. You know, I see, see him walking around. I'm like, guys, you missed the cow play. And it just spoke volumes to me about me. Mm-hmm. Not about them, you know. Yeah. But it's a good point because it it it's 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 all encap it's encapsulated in the in the film of like not getting to a destination and even even having one aside from your actual destination yeah. and you still fail yeah. at that. 
was it actually made me feel better as a person of like, you know, you don't have to do everything. You can just walk around. You can just talk and not have, you know, missions in, in life all the time. I don't know. It made me feel good that like, you know, these people who are supposed to be real people having the, you know, this, this uh, one night together made the decision to not go do this thing mm. that they were invited to do. It, it, it was actually a really wonderful feeling. Uh, um, now that you bring that up, I was like, oh yeah, I remember feeling like this is, this is actually really, really good. I'm really glad they didn't go. So, so questions for you. These are, I don't know, whatever. Have you ever had your palm read? <laughs> uh, yes. Oh my God. I I did. <laughs> and I'm, I'm trying to remember it now because I was in high school is in Houston. What did she say? She said I would have a long life. Huh. I, I want to say that she said I'd have two kids, but I, uh, and not with the girl I was with. Oh, damn. Uh, but I can't, I can't fully remember. Oh my gosh. And now I'm going to really want to go back and, and think about that. But yeah, something like that. Nice. Yeah. So she was pretty, pretty spot on at least so far. If that, if that was correct. You, <laughs> Uh, yeah, once I was on a date, uh, we were hanging out at, you know, uh, the snack bar and palm reader was walking by giving palm readings and she was like, yeah, let's do it. I was like, all right, completely off. I don't remember what he said, but, uh, it couldn't have been more wrong. Um, and I remember feeling exactly like Jesse, um, cause she was kind of eating it up and I didn't like rain on her parade or anything, but I was just like, yeah, that, uh, maybe he's still a, a baby palm reader and he's, he's working on his, his craft. Um, but, <laughs> um, awesome. have you ever paid for street art? Like they get the poem, but, uh, I don't know. Have you ever paid for like someone to play a song or uh, a busker or, uh, bought a painting or an artist? Yeah. yeah. Like a caricature artist. Yeah. In San Antonio. Nice. Uh, and oh, in LA yeah. actually on, uh, on the strip. Mm-hmm. Nice. I paid, uh, I was in Mexico and there was uh, a band playing, you know, some songs outside of a bar and I was, one of my favorite songs is Interstate Love Song, Stone Temple Pilots. And that, that, that intro is like my favorite intro of all time. It's just this little beautiful guitar rift, um, that leads into this drum, you know, uh, fill that starts the song off and, and I just really wanted to hear it. And so. I was like, "Hey, can y'all play Interstate Love Song?" And this this was recently. This wasn't like, you know, nineteen ninety eight or something. Uh, and so, to, for a band in Mexico to randomly pull Stone Temple Pilots out of their hat—that's impressive, freaking impressive, man! Um, and they nailed it. Like they really killed it. Um, oh, cool! I think I even have a video of that somewhere. You, in the show notes. Yeah, I'll put it in the show notes if I can find it. Uh, <laughs> have you backpacked in a foreign country? No, hmm. I never did it. I wanted to, but I never had the money, um, to get over there and, or the means. And then, mm. um, uh, when I did have the money, I was, I just didn't do it. Yeah. I should have, huh. I should have. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. You, I know you have a lot. Yeah. I mean, I've, yeah. My, one of my first trips, I took a one-way flight in the Mexico city with a buddy and we just kind of made our way back to Austin over the, you know, three or four weeks. 
it was incredible. And since then I've been chasing that, you know, dragon. <laughs> it's just, uh, yeah. you know, I've backpacked uh, through Mexico several times and through the Dominican Republic and Central America. And uh, every time is its own unique thing. And every time it's been amazing. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe someday I'll, I'll beg Jenny to let you out of the house and we can just, I don't know, take a trip somewhere, man. Oh my God. Just that would be pack around for incredible. Yeah. Uh, that'd be I mean, <laughs> good luck yeah good luck. That's, that's all right. i guess that's right that's all i gotta say <laughs> uh, do they see each other in six months when six months later on whatever december 16th um do they both show up to the to the train station yes they do and you already said you think they have sex uh there at the in the in the park yeah nice okay. yeah she says that she wants to uh, do you not do you not want to see me again? <laughs> it's such a great moment. I love that. Yeah. Nice. I know. Um, cool. Well, I think that's all I got. So. So it, has anything like this happened to you? Oh, yeah. A number of times. There was this one time um, right out of high school. I'd moved to Austin. I uh, was still homesick and it was really random. Uh, this. I had some family in town and I ran some clothes to the dry cleaner and then I ended up staying and hanging out with the, with the dry cleaner uh, girl for like five or six hours, just hanging out with her. Um, and it was one of those little microcosms of or uh, uh, little worlds that we built. And I've had that happen on trips where, you know, I go in, in Mexico and you meet someone and, you hang out, uh, you know, for one or two days, same thing in Dominican Republic, met someone out there and, you know, you hang out for, you know, a few days and, uh, it's, it's beautiful every time, you know, you just meeting people and, uh, and it's not always just, you know, women that, you know, I'm, I'm interested in. Um, but I also meet dudes and we hang out and they show up, uh, when we were in, yeah, that was the Dominican Republic. Uh, we took a bus, me and my two buddies, Shamari and DP, uh, we were sitting in a bus station and eating. Um, and then we looked up and there's a sign in this little waiting area that's like no food or drink. And we, we see it and it's only written in Spanish. Um, and we're like, we'll just say we don't speak Spanish. Um, and, <laughs> and this dude starts laughing and he's like, we're like, oh crap. You, you speak English. He's like, yeah. Uh, we just start talking. And after we get off the bus to our next just destination, he's like, where are y'all going? Y'all know where y'all are staying? We're like, no, we, we're about to find a place. He's like, come meet my mom and I'll, I'll find a good spot for y'all to, to, you know, post up for a few days. And so we went, hung out, uh, went to his mom's place. She, I think she cooked for us. And then he went and helped us find a, uh, a place. And then we went and hung out some more. And it just becomes, there's, uh, I think that's the part that pains me is, if you've never traveled abroad, if you've never experienced other cultures, the world looks much scarier than it actually is. It's full of just beautiful people, just like you. I I think anybody listening to this, if you met a stranger in your town and you would treat them with so much courtesy and like show them around, like, oh, have you been here? Yeah, let's go. And if you're if there's good vibes there, like you're gonna do that stuff. It's the same world, same way the world over. Uh, maybe even more so because all these other cultures are less interested in the bullshit and it's all about like family and it's all about being good to each other. And, uh, you know, I, and I, I do think Americans, despite our reputation are very good at that. Um, the number of times I've seen people who 
are heavily on one side of the aisle or the other pull over to help someone that doesn't look anything like them that they should for every political reason not like them you know they whatever you need a ride you need help changing that tire people are so good to each other and i think that gets lost in all the noise yeah anyway great great point yeah i mean I really want you to talk to my wife. Maybe we can get out there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've been to Europe, you know, I've just right. never been backpacking yeah. by myself. Just right. You know? Yeah. Um, nice. Awesome. Well, what are you going to recommend this week? Oh, okay. A buddy of mine from work turned me on to this and I watched it and just loved it. And apparently it got greenlit for season two. It's on Hulu. Only murders in the building. Martin Short and Steve Martin and uh, Selena Gomez. And I just loved it, man. Just seeing those two guys together. And uh, Steve Martin, I believe he wrote it. I know it's his, it's kind of, it's his show. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty sure he and one other, one other lady wrote it. And it's just really smart. It's really funny and witty. And they develop the characters really in an interesting way where you find stuff out throughout. And uh, it's, it's just a smart premise and it's, it's a lot of fun. And the, the actual, the title sequence is amazing. Yeah. And the music with it is just so good. It's an animated title sequence. It's so, so stinking good. And it's just fun. It's just fun. It's not like it's like brilliant. Mm-hmm. It's just fun to see those two guys interacting together, you know, on their A game for sure. Yeah. Uh, just like, I can't tell you the last Steve Martin thing I watched where I was like, oh, this is awesome. I can't, you know, Ages, I can't really right. tell you that. Yeah. Um, uh, Martin Short has always been yeah. up there for me. Yeah. Uh, he's this never misses. But um, them two together, and there's even a par- point in the show where they actually, where I think Martin Short says something like, "Hey, we we make a good team, don't we?" You know, something where he's just like this homage to everything that they've ever done together. Uh, and it's just wonderful. That's so I could so not weird. recommend it enough. And it's it's streaming on Hulu. What a good recommendation. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I love just seeing them on screen together again, like you said. Uh, but the thing that really surprised me was how much I liked Selena Gomez. A hundred percent. Part yeah. of their like she is incredible. Like I I am so excited to see her more in all projects, but certainly um, that odd pairing of her with them yes. i never would have guessed in a million years me either I, I and when i told my buddy he he said yeah i'm not really sold on her i was like really because she like brought it for me i just i loved her in it so yeah anyway. she was fantastic nice i'm gonna recommend another little movie about two people coming together much more dramatic it's called like crazy it's a uh, anton yelkin um and felicity jones and they're both absolutely entrancing if you want uh something else that has you know kind of a bittersweet romance to it then i think you'll you'll really enjoy that that's another director that i just really love uh drake dormus i doubt that's how you pronounce that but uh he just has his own kind of style that's all about being organic and um, writing with intention more than words and so cool um yeah like crazy check that out um and st- love it. stay tuned for oh actually we have a short spotlight this week. Um, check the show notes. It's uh, an interview. I think it's one of our, our listeners, um, Deanna uh, Evangelia, who worked on this project that's interviewing this 84-year-old woman. I forgot to make all the notes about it, uh, but it's an interview. It's like this 15-minute interview. 
of this woman who's an absolute badass. And she talks about her life um, and being, I think she's gender nonconforming and she uh, it's, it's a really incredible interview and I'm saying she, and I don't know if that's the proper pronoun or not. And, uh, there's absolutely no disrespect intended, but it, she's, you know, a beautiful person, beautiful story talks about being married despite not really wanting to be married uh, to a man um, and uh, just being a sign of the times. Uh, and it's a really profound, incredible story. Wonderfully shot. Uh, it's, it has a great message of body positivity in it. Like it's, it's really excellent. So I highly recommend everyone check it out. We'll, we'll embed it in the show notes and, you know, bravo to everyone involved on, uh, that worked on that. Um, I, I think it's, uh, style like you is the name of the the channel. Uh, and it's not Y O U it's you style, like the letter U. So yeah, mm-hmm. check that out. And wow. I promise it'll be worth it. And also stay tuned for next week. We are going to continue, uh, the saga, of jesse and celine maybe we'll see what happens uh with before sunset and so we'll be checking that out next week and don't forget uh subscribe and review if you're enjoying the show leave us a note you know let us let us know if you want us to cover something and if you want to drop a note on this episode in particular you can do that at the pestlepodcast.com slash before sunrise and we'll leave you with a quote of the day from rick steves Travel is rich with learning opportunities, and the ultimate souvenir is a broader perspective. I, I think that that's such a great, such a great line, a, a great piece of truth there. I mean, I thought one way, and then I moved away from home, and now I think a, a different way, or I think a broader way. How about that? Yeah, I think it's really, really well said. Yeah, totally. And. Rick Steves is like a famous travel uh, writer and filmmaker. He, he has tons of books on tons of countries. Uh, he's, you know, just a really fascinating person. And I love that idea that the ultimate souvenir is a broader perspective. Like, I, I've never regretted spending money to go traveling. And there's been times when I really couldn't afford it. And I was already committed and I just stayed committed. Um, like going to New Zealand a, a couple years ago to visit Joe and Heather. Like I really didn't have money at that point, but I'd already in my mind committed to, to doing it. And, you know, the, at the time the ticket, I think was like 1200 bucks or something like that. And I was like, this is a lot of money and I don't know how I'm going to make it work. And eventually, of course, it all worked out. But, it, you know, I, I've never once regretted spending money to travel anywhere regretted spending money on some video equipment i've regretted spending money on lots of other practical things but even fixing my car sometimes i'm like i shouldn't have spent that money that that did not fix what i thought was wrong and you know (laughs) yeah yeah Uh, but i've never once uh, regretted money spent on traveling and it's uh, it's an enriching experience um and builds ultimately the only thing uh, that I think matters um, in life. Uh, one of the most important things anyway, uh, which is uh, memories and experience. Yeah. 100%. Uh, and that's, we are a culmination of our experiences. So yes. um, totally, I love that quote. Fantastic. Nice. Man, this has been great. I really enjoyed it. I hope you guys did. Thank you for sticking with us. Uh, make sure to join us next week. We'll be covering Before Sunset, like Wes said. Uh, and subscribe, review us on iTunes, all that good stuff. Share us with your friends. Tell us what you want us to, to cover. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, until next week, I'm Todd. I'm Wes. Go watch some movies. Mm-hmm.